Thank you for listening to the Convergence Podcast. We pray that God speaks to you during this message and that He moves in your life. Well, I want you to turn to the, to the uh, book of Acts. I was going to say the chapter of Acts. Oh, my goodness. That reminds me, if you're old enough, if you remember the second chapter of Acts, anyone old enough to remember the second chapter? Wow, we got some. Okay, I'm not going to say how old we are. But, uh, but yes, the second chapter of Acts was a worship uh, band back in the Um <clears throat> So, did you guys hear that? Okay, for those of you who have ears to hear, let them hear. All right, so, uh, yes, back, back then, they were an amazing group. So, uh, I still remember, I think it was Matthew Ward and, uh, and Matthew Ward and the two, the two women, so whoever they were. So, uh, don't remember, it wasn't, okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really drift away and I really don't want to. All right, so we're talking about, we're taking a few moments and talking about um, the subject of obeying God rather than men. And last week we talked um, about, you know, very famous stories in Scripture, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and Daniel. And sometimes when we get to the familiar stories, we think of Sunday school, we think of, we don't, we don't put ourselves in uh, the radical position that these guys were in. I wanted to say, just thinking about this this week, of just kind of revisiting the message last Sunday, was that these guys were not troublemakers. They were not trying to stir up trouble. They were not being arrogant. They were not being divisive. They were, they were men who were serving the government in government. They were honoring the, the kings that they served under. They weren't looking for trouble. And I want us to understand that. They were there to serve, and they served so well that they were promoted. So, so they honored their king. They served their king well. They had great attitudes. They wanted to serve. They're serving God, and they're serving their king. But the, both kings crossed a line when they had to make a decision on whether to obey God rather than men. And so with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king says, worship the idol. And they, and they chose to worship God rather than the idol. And that cost him the fiery furnace. With Daniel, it was a, if you're going to pray in the next 30 days, you're going to pray toward the king, which was, I believe, Darius at that point. And Daniel never shut the windows to pray. He kept the windows open and he prayed because he chose to serve God rather than men. The, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not pick that fight. The government picked the fight. And I want us to understand that for a moment, that there's going to be times in government where the government is actually going to make something political. They're actually going to stir up the, the nest and pick the fight. So we see here, at least in the Old Testament, we see that Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose to serve the higher option, which is to serve God rather than men. Now, I want us to go into the New Testament, and I want us to look at the, the book of Acts, and I want, I want us to look at, namely, Peter and John. Now, it's important that you get context. Context is real important to me, 
in order to understand scripture. So we have to see that in Acts chapter one, Jesus is, appears to them, he appears for 40 days. So this is about 50 days. Uh, then they have, they, they prayed and, the, and Jesus says, don't go and witness yet. <clears throat> he said, he said, tarry for the Holy Spirit or wait for the gift that my father wants to give you, which is the Holy Spirit. Now the word for witness in Acts chapter one is the word martyr. So Jesus is very straight up with them and says, you know, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit so you can be martyred. <laughs> I mean, I know it was witnessed back. Anyway, we get the word martyr. That's the word he, he used. Anyway, very strong word nonetheless. It wasn't like share the gospel, which is great. It was like this could cost you your life. So they waited. They tarried. Acts chapter 2, pillar of fire, and the church is born. Church is born 50 days after his resurrection on Pentecost. So it wasn't two years later. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, two months. It was 50 days. And so the power of God comes, and the Lord is not speaking to the church. He's speaking to the ecclesia, which is very important, which at some point I would just love to do a, a Saturday, just kind of go over this whole ecclesia thing so you guys all understand it, because there's so many of us who don't understand it because we're so new. Um, so he's not, he's not speaking to, to the church per se, as we define church. He's actually speaking to the ecclesia, which is God's legislative assembly on the earth. And so Jesus is talking to them. He's saying, if you want to be equipped as my representing my government, because it says in Isaiah nine, six, that Jesus had the government on his shoulder. So so we know that Jesus came, we, call it, we, we don't call it government, we call it kingdom. So Jesus came bringing the kingdom and he's the king of his kingdom. That's king's domain. That's the kingdom is king's domain. It's his right to rule. So they, did, they didn't understand, excuse me, let me just move this cord because I keep stepping on it. All right. They didn't, under, they didn't understand church as we knew it. They understand the kingdom of God as being the government of God on earth. And they saw that demonstrated in the life of Jesus. So they waited. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin speaking in tongues. People think they're drunk. They come out because Peter's like, no, it's only nine in the morning. What are you talking about? So, so he, they come out. He, they preach the gospel, right? And 3,000 people get saved. So we know that people came from everywhere to gather for Pentecost. So God set it all up. The timing was perfect. The crowds came. The crowds came because of the noise, the sound like a mighty wind, the sound like a mighty wind. Not a mighty wind, but the sound like a mighty wind. So they gathered, they gathered around that, and then we see Acts chapter 3. So Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 2 ends beautifully, right? They all were assembled. <laughs> they kept on assembling right? House to house and in the temple. House to house and in the temple. They assembled. They broke bread. They listened to the apostles' teaching. They, you know, they had koinia. They had fellowship. So there was this constant daily assembling that took place among the brand new ecclesia of God, the church that was born in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3, we see that Peter and John are just on their way to the temple, which was basically what they did every three or four times a day. I can't remember, four or five times. Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. 
three or four times a day, they go to the temple to pray, and on their way, we know the story that they see a, a crippled man who is at the gate beautiful. And the famous story is that, you know, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. And we can only give away what we have. So what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So Peter takes the step of faith and he reaches out his hand to pull him up. That could have been disastrous, right? Because maybe he wouldn't have walked. We get fearful, right? We think that that's arrogant. So what? That's faith. So he pulls out his hand and he lifts him up. And as he's being lifted, strength comes to his bones, comes to his body as he's being lifted, which is a whole other message, right? So we see the crippled man who was there for 40 years. Now, this is the same crippled man that Jesus passed when he was on the earth. But Jesus didn't heal him because he only saw, he only did what he saw his father do. But he was, I just love this about the Lord. He was saving this guy for Peter and John. So, so there they are. They lift him up. And there's, there's amazing, like, resounding hallelujah you know, but the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the council, the legal council of the day despised it. And so that's kind of the context of where we're at. Peter goes ahead and, and now I'm just going to race through this. So I'm reading out of the New King Jimmy. All right. So um, you can follow along. I know I said Jimmy, New, New King James. And so you can go ahead and follow along if you want, but I'm gonna kind of go this, I'm gonna kind of do this in rapid fire because I wanna set the stage, which is in Acts chapter four. So, so Peter gets up again in Acts chapter three and he preaches. And he says in verse 19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And so they go ahead, they preach, people get saved, and now we're in Acts chapter 4. Is everybody with me at home? Everyone say amen. Amen. All right. So now, in verse 4, chapter 1, now as they spoke to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Being greatly disturbed, they taught the people and preached in Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. Verse 3. And they laid hands on them. Now that is not a prayer time. So, and they laid hands on them. You guys didn't get it, but that's all right. That means that they were arrested. And so they were arrested and they were put into custody until the next day. For it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So you have two things happening at almost simultaneously. The priests who are filled with envy and jealousy, that's their motivation. They seize Peter and John, they laid hand, they arrest him, they arrest him and they throw him into custody. Why? Because of them using the name of Jesus. But at the same time, 5,000 people get saved. Prison and salvation, all taking place at once. And then it came to pass on the next day. See, they can't, they can't try you at night. So they, had to, they have to, according to their law, they have to go ahead and do it the next day. So that's why we see 
And it came to pass on the next day. That's not what they did with Jesus, though, by the way. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were in, of the family of the high priest were all to get, gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst and asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means uh, he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. I mean, you have to read the New Testament again. Like, I mean, the book of Acts again. Like, they are not pulling any punches. The name of Jesus that you crucified. I mean, that, Peter is Peter, right? But the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Straight up, no punches pulled, declaration of who Jesus is. They know this governing body sent him to the cross, in essence. All right, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, that means in their school, in their formal school, rabbinic school, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus, Selah. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Ooh, I love that. But when they commanded them to go aside outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying. So they said, you guys just need to exit for a while. We have to have a private conversation. That's what this is about. What shall we do? So this is now you're in the inner circle, and it, this is being recorded. What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. And from now on, they speak to no man in this name. That's the order. We're going to threaten you. And the order is you are not to speak to anybody in this name. So they called them and they commanded them. Commanded is not... We, Simple advice. It is a commanded, it is an order, you will not speak in the name of Jesus. So they commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Mark that passage, because that's the order. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than listen to God, you judge. In other words, you decide. But for us, verse 20, 
we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they further threaten them, there's the word, because we've seen a lot, oh, I don't want to get into that today, but when they further threaten them, they let them go. Why? Finding no, finding no way of punishing them because of the people. Since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. So I want you to understand the picture. A man gets healed. They want to shut it down. They severely threaten them and they give them an order. And the order is, now this is the Sanhedrin. This is, this is the governmental authority. The order is, we do not want you to speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. Peter's quick response is, whether it's right to listen to God or listen to you. In other words, we're listening to God who's the supreme authority. Before we're listening to you, we can't help but teach and preach what we've seen and heard. He gives them the, the context of why we're going to do this. And so I'm sure the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the Sanhedrin were pretty ticked off by that. Because now there's a, there's a power struggle. We don't war against flesh and blood, but you have two governmental systems at war right now. You have the ecclesia, who's moving in kingdom government, and you have the Sanhedrin, which was a religious system, but very lawful. So they go ahead and they, they give the command to Peter and John, and they say, that's nice. We're going to obey God rather than men. Do you guys see it? Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their companions and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard it, that's when the, when the room heard it, they raised their voice to God in one accord. I can't overemphasize unity in the body. They didn't say, dude, what are you doing? Dude, why didn't you just listen? Dude. They were all in agreement that we're going to obey God. You read it and you study it. And being let go, so they heard and they raised their voice to God in one accord and said, Lord, you are God. Let's all say it. Lord, you are God. Who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, and he goes ahead and he quotes Psalm chapter 2, which is a great verse, great chapter to study, Psalm chapter 2. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. They were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. Get the picture? All right. You guys are, brains are turning, hopefully. Praying in the spiritual, da, 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 da. What's Greg going to say now? Okay. Verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before it be done. And I love this. They did not cower. 
They did not go into hiding. They just received this severe threats in this order, and this is what they say. This is their response, verse 29 through 31, which is very familiar. Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word. That's a prayer and a declaration against the order. Smile at me. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through your name, through the name, the name of your holy servant Jesus. They were commanded not to speak or teach in that name. And they're saying, with all boldness, go ahead, empower your servants, stretch out your hand, and heal in your holy servant's name, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. That's God's amen right there. Another God's amen is, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Selah. They were not rebuked. They were not saying submit because the higher law, what would have happened if they did? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Where would we be at right now? So, verses 32 through 37, they share all things in common, which is very cool. They're all assembling. And then we have Ananias and Sapphira, which is not good news for them. In Acts chapter 5, right? So they, you know, we all know the story. Hopefully most of you know the story. Ananias and Sapphira. And then verse, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord. That doesn't, it's not a car. They were all in, in one accord. Like, what are the, you know, the old joke was, what's the first car the apostles drove? An accord because they were all in one accord. All right, so really bad, bad humor on a Sunday, Sunday morning. The only thing you got out of the message today. You know, PG had this. Okay, so. And... Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. In other words, in in the temple. They're in Jerusalem. They're back in the temple. They're preaching Jesus. People are getting saved, healed, and delivered. God sends an amen. The place is shaken. They're filled filled with the Spirit, and they're now proclaiming Christ boldly regardless of the order. This is why we have the underground church in China. You can't keep God's people away from assembling and advancing the kingdom. So verse 13, there was a holy reverence that took place because of what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. Yet none of the rest dared join them. Now, that's not great for church growth. 
yet none of the rest dared join them. The people esteemed them highly. They weren't rebuked. They weren't belittled. The people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes by both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And the multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. In other words, now they're coming in from all over the place. Revival is taking place bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. Amen. And they were all, they were what? No, they were what? What's the three-letter word there? Well, New King James. They were all healed. Okay, here we go. You guys ready for this? Then the high priest rose up. That's the supreme leader of the Sanhedrin, the high priest. He rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. That word means jealousy. They were filled with jealousy. And they laid hands on the apostles again, That wasn't in a line after a service. They actually arrest the apostles and they put them in common prison. In other words, they put them in jail. So you got to get the picture. They're in the temple. They're preaching. People are getting healed. They're not obeying the order. They're back in the temple. They're using the name of Jesus. They're preaching in the name of Jesus. They're raising people up in the name of Jesus. They're... They're actually obeying God rather than men. People are getting saved, getting healed and delivered. The fear of the Lord is the respect, the reverence. The people esteem them highly as they were moving in, in humility and in power. They weren't arrogant. They weren't being troublemakers. They weren't trying to disobey the law. All they were doing is responding to what the Spirit of God was speaking to them and telling them to do. It just so happened, moved against the jealous hearts, whatever it is, it was moving against the envious, jealous hearts of the Sanhedrin who tried to shut it down. And there could be tons of reasons why people try and shut it down. In this case, it was jealousy. In other cases, it could be power. It could be control. It could be shut the mouth of the church. It could be a lot of things. We see that happening all over. We've seen that happening in church history. God's word will always prevail, always. His kingdom will always expand, always. You can try and burn a Bible, shut it down, do this. The kingdom of God will continue to expand. And at some point, it's okay to push back when God's laws come into jeopardy and the fight is picked between God and man. We have to choose God. We have to. Just read the scriptures. So they go ahead and they're preaching. I want, you, I want you to understand real time. Like this is just not a cute story. They know what was on the line. They saw Jesus on a cross. They know what's going to cost them. Every single apostle died a martyr's death. 
Every one of them. Peter was hung upside down. He says, I'm not even worthy to be on the cross like Jesus. Hang me upside down. They said Paul was cut asunder, cut in two. I mean, we're talking about what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 being true, and it's going to be, it might come to a time where the real Christians need to stand up. I mean, evaluating your heart, am I going to take a bullet for Jesus? I'm not saying be, you know, unwise. I'm, talk, I'm just talking about that reality. So verse 18, and they laid hands, they arrested him and the apostles and put them in common prison. Verse 19, here it is. At night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Okay, I want you to turn back to Acts chapter 4, verse 18. So they commanded them never to speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, at night, the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, and said, listen to the Sanhedrin. The angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, a messenger from heaven, tells Peter and John to disobey the order. They tell Peter and John to go ahead, get back into the temple, and go ahead. I, oh, man. They're being freed from prison. It's a supernatural release to take the gospel to the temple and preach in the name of Jesus, which was a direct violation of what the Sanhedrin had commanded. An angel. It wasn't Paul. It wasn't another man, it was a messenger from heaven that supernaturally released these guys to go ahead and, and command them to go and share this life with other people. Keep preaching in the name of Jesus. Disobey the command. That's what my Bible says. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. I don't know what kind of discussion you have with an angel. And it's, it's, it's interesting, the, it's the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, if you see in the Old Testament, a lot of people think that's Jesus, not just an angel. I'm not here to talk about whether that was a messenger, Gabriel. I don't, I don't know. It could have been Jesus himself. I don't know. But the angel shows up, and they didn't go ahead and says, well, you know what the Sanhedrin says? You know? No. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning, and they taught. But the high priest, now remember, there's always a cost. Always. But when the high priest and those with him caught came and called the council together. So here they are in the morning and they called the elders of the children of Israel and they sent to, 
to the prison to have these guys brought in to be tried. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison door shut securely, and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. That's called supernatural. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So they came and they, so one came and told them saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and they're teaching the people. (laughs) Can't shut down God, but he needs co-laborers. Then the captain, who was actually in second rank to the high priest, the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. Verse 27, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, listen, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? We gave you the order not to teach in this name. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Peter's response and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. He gives them the same response that we see in Acts 14, 19 and 20. The narrative doesn't change. Acts 14, 20, Peter says, whether you judge right or wrong, remember we just visited that? We're gonna obey God rather than men. They're called back in And Peter says the same thing. He says, we're going to obey God rather than man. Do whatever you want to us. We're going to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Listen to how straight and direct he is. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus who you murdered. Wow, this is the Sanhedrin. I mean, this is the high priest. This same Jesus who you murdered. I mean, just... It's like, I don't know about that one. I don't know if that's good counsel. Who you murdered hanging on a tree, him God has exalted to his right. I mean, these things are piercing. They, They stone Stephen for this. The God of our fathers who raised Jesus and who you murdered hanging on a tree, him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel for the forgiveness of They just preached the gospel. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, verse 33, they were furious. And they plotted to kill them. Then one of the council members, which we'll move through this passage, but one of the council members, Gamal, who was like the top guy in the Sanhedrin, one of the top guys in the Sanhedrin, he goes and Jesus says, look, if this is God, don't touch it. If it's not God, it'll fizzle out. 
So if you contend with this, then you're actually fighting against God. You could be fighting against God. You guys, that's basically the summary. So in verse 40, and they agreed, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. They beat them for no reason other than they disobeyed the order, and they obeyed God. Now, there could have been people who were like, see, I told you, you need to obey. You're all beaten up. And it could have been the, beaten, the beating could be the lashes on the back. They could have been flogged. I don't know, have you ever been whipped on your back? I can't even imagine that, right? So they were beaten and they were commanded again that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, but they let him go. So they departed from the presence, crying and weeping and saying to themselves, why are we doing this? People think we're really arrogant and we're just not wise and we're just really. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. We need a revelation in the church today. Because we've been taught, oh, I don't even want to go here, but we've been taught about prosperity, no suffering, Jesus is really nice to us. We kind of add Jesus to our life. And so Jesus over here, I really need some financial breakthrough. We bring Jesus in. And I'm just saying we have to be careful because here it says that they rejoiced for they counted it worthy to suffer for his name. Here it is, verse 42. We'll wrap it up. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Let that sink in this week. Acts chapter 7, Stephen is given testimony, and we have the first martyr post Holy Spirit. It came at the blood of Stephen's own death. He has his revelation. I see the Son of Man sitting next to the Father in heaven, right? And the scripture says that they, they covered their ears and they, they were so, the Sanhedrin was so charged by that statement, they covered their ears and they rushed towards Stephen and they stoned him. They threw him out in the city and they just stoned him. And Stephen still says, forgive them. Wow. Acts chapter 8, the churches, the ecclesia, I should say, is scattered. In fact, that's worth going to. I told you I was going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up. 
Now Saul was consenting to his death, that's Stephen, and at a time a great persecution arose against the church, against the ecclesia is the right word. With all of Jerusalem, they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except for the apostles. Verse 4, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. You guys, there's a season where the commands of men cannot supersede the commands of God. In fact, it would be disobedience in this situation, disobedience to God to shut down the gospel. They could have thought of a hundred ways of doing it. Well, we'll just do it secretly in homes. We'll pass notes. No, the angel says, I'm freeing you to go back into the temple. Full exposure. Not to a corner, not to a, an attic somewhere, or a room in a house, I want you to go back into the temple. The temple was the very center of Jewish life. And I want you to preach this, this life to all that were there. That's what heaven is saying. Is it appropriate to disobey, God, disobey man rather than God? Absolutely. When the violation or the attack is on the commands of God. That's what I see in scripture. And where would we be at today, honestly, if the apostles chose to obey men rather than God? Gospel wouldn't have gone out. You know, we're in, uh, we're in uncharted waters. Hopefully we're coming out of those uncharted waters. I hope we're coming out of those uncharted waters. I, I really do. I, I've, never, I've never been, I've been around for a while. Some people thought I was really younger than when I was. I was really happy last night, they said. <laughs> I said, you're my friend. And then they found out how old I was and they're like, really? I'm like, I, see, that's why I don't tell anybody. I forgot what I was going to say, but it was really good. <laughs> uncharted waters, yes. Uncharted, we're in uncharted waters. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I don't think I've ever been in a, uh, anytime there's an election year, you're going to get all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't think I've ever been in, in an election year that's been this crazy. I mean, this election year, it's, it doesn't even compare. And I'll talk to you more about this next week because I want to kind of break this down more practically next week. But what I wanted to do is lay a foundation. Old Testament, New Testament. And I would encourage you because I think it's, it's wise for us to read the scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. <laughs> read the scriptures. Invite the Holy Spirit in. 
Read Acts chapter 4 and 5. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Read up through 8. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. What we're learning is that you can call whatever you want. It's right. It's godly to push back against commands and orders that actually supersede governmental authority and begin to invade God's commands. Now, government, oh man, I'm trying to end this. Now, government is actually authority delegated by God to humanity. It says in Romans 13, 4, that they're actually ministers of God to do good. But when a government ceases to do good, the question is, do we obey it? That's when the church who understands what good is has to step up and take a stand. Uh, All right. This is why, this is why it's important that believers vote because we are sons and daughters of our heavenly father who have been given a commission to rule and reign on the earth and we should be influencing governmental authority that God has raised up. For our cities, councils, those in government to act righteously. When we cease to vote according to the principles of the word, we are actually handing off and not influencing the very thing that God has delegated to do good. Oh, amen. So, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom, you give us revelation. I pray, Lord, that we would respond in humility, hearts of a servant. God, that we, we said for years, we don't react to the devil, we respond to the Father. So we just want to respond from heaven to earth. We want to dial into what's on your heart and be obedient to it, not to react. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts filled with wisdom and response to our King, Jesus, and to his heavenly Father. We ask, Lord, that you would fill our minds, grow our minds. We have the mind of Christ. Lord, how we, may the convictions rise up, and God, may we even measure the cost. but it's worth it for your name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. If you're in your house, you could stand where you're at. You guys are hopefully not sleeping on the beautiful sofa.
Or you might be in the car. And as we're standing, I, I, I just did that just as a simple prophetic declaration that we're standing. That we're standing. That we're standing. So Lord, we stand for truth. We stand for righteousness. We stand for Jesus. We stand for the kingdom. We stand for your word. We stand for the gospel. We stand for the blood of Jesus. We stand for what you died and gave your life to. And Lord, we ask that you recommission us to do the same. And may there be the same response coming out of our hearts and mouths that it was with the apostles and those that were there with him, that you would fill us with boldness, that we would be shaken, that we be filled with the Spirit, and may we go forward with boldness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Let me just give you one portion of scripture before I let you go. I love this. I just want this to be a prayer over all of us. It's actually Acts 13, 46. And you won't find it in any other translation but the New King James. That's not a plug for the New King James. I just, so, so anyway, they're on, they're, you know, they're Paul and and Silas, or is it Paul and Barnabas? Barnabas, they're out preaching the gospel. And here's the phrase. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, that's my prayer for all of us, that we would grow bold. Boldness would grow. They grew bold and said. There was an application to the boldness. It was declaration. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us online. Super awesome. And um, God bless you guys. You're going to have an amazing week. You're all going to have an amazing week. And we'll, we'll pick it up again next week. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thanks again for listening. For more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to our channel. God bless.